0: This is Lightning Power Lunch with Dave Mishkin and Greg Linelli on Lightning Radio.
1: We stuck with it, I think. We we answered their
0: goals better
1: defensively. Vazzy obviously great again, and uh, I thought tonight we were able to have a little bit more zone time, which obviously led to goals. When you get to this stretch of the year, every point's huge, so we, we've stressed that the last couple, obviously. First couple games of that road trip weren't acceptable coming off the break, we knew that, and... We tightened it up a little bit. I thought tonight was probably the best in terms of the defensive zone structure, especially against, you know, their their top line, which is really dangerous. So all in all, I thought that was a really good game, good third period, and a game that we need to win. I think anytime you're winning,
0: your confidence is a word that gets used, and when you're not winning, lack of it becomes the word. So I, I think we've, as this season's gone on, we've found ourselves. I think players have slotted themselves, and we've slotted them into roles and. And it just took us some time.
1: It just took us some time. Yeah, there's no doubt about that. How about the Tampa Bay Lightning getting it done last night against the Colorado Avalanche? Score a little inflated 6-3, but good game for sure. We talked about this on the post-game show afterwards. Uh, Different type of win than the Boston Bruins. Uh, You know, Maybe against the Bruins, the Lightning didn't play as well as they would have liked. I thought against Colorado, pretty good game. And uh, mm-hmm. against a good team, we will talk about it for the next hour at Bolts Radio. If you want to get involved in the conversation, you can. He's Dave Michigan. I am Greg least Steve Versnick is our producer. Vassi was good. Kucherov scores points. That's what he does. And the Lightning, even with a Nick Paul injury in that third where we didn't see him, we'll learn more about that as the as the, the weekend nears and the Lightning gets set to take on the Panthers. Uh, I thought all in all, partner, it was a, a solid outing against a really good team. And don't look now, but the Lightning have won three in a row and back-to-back games against really good teams.
0: Yeah, this was an impressive win. I think this was their best overall game since the All-Star break. And Maybe I'm stating the obvious, but kind of what Braden Point broke down in that clip that we played, they were better defensively. They had more zone time. I thought they handled the challenge of facing Nathan McKinnon pretty well. I mean, what do, you, what do you often say when you're dealing with a player on the other team like that? You don't want to stop him. You want to contain him a little bit. McKinnon got a couple of assists. He had some moments when he made the Lightning a little uncomfortable. But I think as a whole, it was the Sorelli line mostly with Chernak and Flurry, matched against the McKinnon line. I thought they held their own. And kind of what Conor McGehee was telling us on the show yesterday, the Avs didn't have a lot of push beyond the McKinnon line. They had a unit with Colton Leckanen and Miles Wood, and they generated a few chances. They were actually out on the ice for the, the second Colorado goal. So I'm not suggesting that they didn't do anything, but they weren't able to press on the Lightning, like the McKinnon line, was able to at points. But there were points when the McKinnon line, when that line was quiet too. So there were a lot of elements that if you're a Lightning fan, you can feel good about. First of all, their top guys had a dominant game. Point, Stampkos, and Kucherov. The Abs really didn't have an answer for them. They had seven points between them. They could have had easily double-digit points. Kucherov himself had three points. He could have had five or six. Uses on it was pretty good in net for Colorado, and Kucherov barely missed an empty netter as well that would have given him another hat trick. The Lightning twice when they fell behind, they had a response. Braden Point talked about that as well. After Byron made it 1-0, the Lightning tied the game two minutes and 10 seconds later. And when had scored in the power play early third to make it 3-2 Colorado, Stampkos got the game tied 20 seconds later. Those are those are tough goals for the team to allow when you've just gotten the lead, right? Particularly the Stampko's one. You're the Avs. You're like, okay, we were down in this game. We rallied. We got a power play. We scored on it. We're up in the third period. We've been a great third period team all year. They have been. They entered the game last night, Greg, with a plus 19 goal differential in the third period, among the best in the NHL, and they give the goal right back, 20 seconds later, on a breakaway. I mean, we sometimes focus on what the Lightning are not doing well defensively. Colorado did not have a very good defensive game yesterday, and at big moments, they had some massive breakdowns. So, all that was really positive. Another good game for Vasilevsky, but if the path... To success down the stretch in the regular season for the lightning and what we hope will be success in the playoffs is going to happen i i believe it is still tied to how they are defending and this was they defended pretty well in that ranger game but the ranger game was a strange game they didn't do much offensively they did way more offensively last night and they had the sergachev injury But, I mean, you look at the other games they've played since the All-Star break. Can you find one where they defended nearly as well as they did last night against a quality opponent with some high-danger players and and dynamic players? I think the Lightning met the challenge last night. And we'll we'll talk more about this game, but it only gets harder from here because the Florida Panthers are rolling right now. They won 10 in a row on the road. They've caught the Bruins for first place in the Atlantic division. Say that again. That, that is,
1: is, to me, that's a, that's an interesting line. Cause I think kind of like we were talking about Colorado, they're not in first place in their division. And you thought just with the narrative coming in that well, yeah. Colorado is just blowing people out of the door, you know, and, and maybe that that's true to an extent, but it's, it's not in terms of where they are in the standings. The fact that Florida has caught Toronto or excuse me, Boston is a tremendous story in and of itself because of how good Boston
0: was, especially early on, and how yeah. big of a lead they had. They've dipped. I mean, that's one reason why the Panthers caught them. Sure. Bruins are on this long homestand, and they won what one game on the homestand. They played five games on the homestand. They got a point against the Lightning, but they've lost in regulation in the three other games. So that's part of it, too. But the Panthers are playing exceptionally well. So this is, this is going to be a challenging game tomorrow for the Lightning. But they should feel good about what they did last night.
1: I, I it was an agree. impressive win. Listen, I would agree. I actually think when you take a look at the Lightning, especially the last couple of games, you're talking about two of, of the elite teams in the game today, and the Lightning found a way to earn four points. And mm-hmm. we thought, I thought at least, and I think you did too, that the Lightning would rise to the challenge last night if for any other reason you had the mckinnon factor going against kucherov i always think there's something to be said for that the other part is too when you don't play well against a team like colorado they can embarrass you i don't think athletes like getting embarrassed and so there's a certain level of button it up that you have to have going into a game like that it wasn't perfect but the lightning played with some grit the nikita kucherov assault on the league continues how about the move Steven Stamkos made yeah. on the breakaway? That was phenomenal. And, you know, the Lightning behind Andre Vasilevsky were really good last night. So I, I don't know what's going to happen on Saturday. My sense is, and brace for it, that's going to have a feel of a playoff game.
0: It's yeah, going to have Lightning. a feel. The Lightning are probably not going to have, what did they have last night? 39 shots, 73 73 shot attempts. Now, look, Buffalo had 45 shots last night. They got shut out by Florida. So it's not like the Panthers don't allow shots. But they're the number two defensive team in the league for a reason. And I didn't watch the game last night, clearly, the Florida-Buffalo game, because I was calling the Lightning game. But generally this year, it has been difficult to generate scoring chances against Florida. And if you were to ask me to project what's going to happen tomorrow without knowing, no crystal ball for me, the Lightning are going to have a harder time generating the sorts of chances they did against Colorado. Colorado is what we heard they were, right? As advertised, a team that can score, a team with high-end top end players at the top of the lineup, but a team that has struggled defensively. The Panthers have not struggled defensively. So the Lightning are going to have to fight and scratch and claw to generate chances if if things hold to form tomorrow. Last night, they could have scored. I mean, they scored two empty netters, but of the four that they scored with the goalie in the net, you know, end probably erased five to six other prime chances. I thought he was pretty good last night. A couple of breakaways. Yeah, the Lightning missed the net on some opportunities, yeah. particularly early in the game. Right. Kucherov had the two goals, but he had six shots. He had 15 shot attempts. Yeah. One of those was with the open net that just went wide. So I don't know that the Lightning are going to be able to, to rely on as much offense tomorrow, but who knows? That's why they play the games, right? They do. And they're going to have to get
1: contributions from some other players because we we talked about this. Tanner Janot, not sure how long he's going to be out. Nick mm-hmm. Paul, we don't know how that's going to play out. But we've seen depth not be an issue in terms of players coming up and being able to show well at times. I know we've addressed the depth a little bit, probably more on my end than on your end, partner. But I, I think – it's going to give some opportunities for some other players potentially to come in and, and showcase what they can do, while at the same time, Julian Breezewa probably evaluating the roster a little bit more, taking into consideration who's been out, who uh, is still hurt, and how long, and perhaps that's going to impact what he does at the trade deadline. So kind of an, an interesting... Situation for the Lightning from a personnel perspective that they're still going to have to probably dip into that Syracuse pool a little bit for some reinforcements and I think so far so good in terms of keeping that head above water and everybody Everybody will have to come to the rink on Saturday and be ready to go
0: Well, they have some extras still. I mean in terms of the forwards Austin Watson was a scratch last night, and he is healthy. It sounds like Jano's re-injury, if that's the right way of putting it, is not going to be long-term. But he didn't even skate yesterday at the morning skate. So it seems unlikely that he would be ready as early as tomorrow, and we don't know if Nick Paul is going to be able to play. But if they're missing Paul and Jano, you do have Austin Watson, who can come in basically to take Paul's spot for tomorrow's game. And if not, you're right. They may have to they may have to call somebody up from Syracuse. But we've seen Marilla. We've seen Gonsalves already this year. Cole Kepke, right? I mean Cole we've Kepke. seen some of these yep. guys yep. That
1: we forget a, a little bit. You know, they have some options there. So I, I think I, I think that's that's something that's very positive. I did want to point out because I think these are areas where, when we talk about the officiating, how they can impact a game in a in a positive way, in a negative way. The goal in the second period, the what tied it up at two, mm-hmm. where Byram gets ahead
0: of Brandon Hagel. That was in the first period.
1: Was that in the first period? Okay, yeah. so that that is a flat out penalty.
0: Yeah, it's
1: a flat out penalty that impacted the game. Hagel was furious.
0: Yeah, Bo Byram is not in a position to score that goal without slingshotting himself ahead of Hagel. 100%. First of all, he propels himself forward, and second of all, he slows Hagel. So if he doesn't do that, Hagel is at worst with Byram. (laughs) At best, he's ahead of Byram tracking back to the defensive zone.
1: How that happened, I don't know. How you you miss that. And you know, we talk about having more officials on the ice to be able to see something like that. And to not be able to see that is just mind boggling. And so it just it reminds you that yes, the the officials are human. But how you miss a call like that in a in a pretty competitive game where the stakes are somewhat high for a regular season game, I, I don't know. And and that directly impacted um, that goal I think you know getting back to Vasi's performance I-, I thought he was really solid um, again you know the the goals that he gave up partner I'm not sure you can you can fault him for any yeah you know the one that was just kind of you know lying there behind him um, I-, I think that shot that he saved had some pace to it so you know he couldn't corral the rebound but you hope for a whistle, but he never had possession. No, and so that was I think, the right I give call. I, yeah. I give credit to the officials for that one, for sure. I mean, that's just one of those things where um, good play by Colorado. But again, this this notion of Vassie, and I think it's what most wins since December. Um, he leads the NHL, and we talk about that's probably the one metric that you want to focus on when it comes to goaltenders. Uh, Gorgiev has been really good from that perspective, but Vasi I think the eye test is really passing it. And I think that's given his team a nice advantage game in and game
0: out really since he started to elevate his play uh, a few weeks back. Well, look, the wins are the most important stat because that is the stat that's going to help your team get in the playoffs if you're a goalie. But maybe the more telling stat is the one that I mentioned at the end of the game, which is that Vaslovski has now had 12 starts in a row in which he has held the other team to three or less. Now, you know how I feel about the number three. I'd like to see more twos than threes. Yep. There have been a fair number of threes in there. In fact, the Lightning, during the stretch, whatever, since they returned from that trip at the start of January, they've done very well. They went eight and one heading to the bye, and they've gone three and two since the bye. They've had three wins of 6-3, to three, and in all three, they scored two empty net goals. <laughs> so the final score looked a little bit more lopsided than the actual game. They won at Philly 6-3. It was 4-3. They scored two empty netters. Last game before the bye week, they beat the Devils at home 6-3. It was 4-3. They scored two empty netters. And last night, it was 4-3. They scored two empty netters. They still allowed three, but they, they scored four or more in those games and they've had some other games where they've given up 3 but the key is that he's not allowed more than 3 i mean a dozen starts in a row that is showing a level of consistency where he is giving his team an opportunity to get points and and i'm not surprised that he has that win stat one of the games that he lost he lost at the Rangers, but I feel that game at Detroit, which the Lightning lost two to one, yeah, that did a lot for Vasilevsky because that might have been his best performance of the season. That's and high praise. What did, What did that do for his game? What did that do for his swagger? I think he was playing well leading into that game, but that was. That was a performance that was like mind-boggling, right? How good he was. Remember those penalty kills the Lightning had in the second period against Detroit? And he was he was pulling saves out of his back pocket. It so I, I think that he he used that game. I mean, he didn't say this to me. I'm just telling you what I'm I'm noticing and observing. But I feel that he used that game to springboard his play to an even higher level.
1: You know, I think as the lightning enter the playoffs and wherever they're seated, whoever they play leading up to that first round series, the story of the Lightning's season, it, there's going to be a couple of things that people are going to look at. They're going to look at Nikita Kucherov and where he finishes in the season that he had, the fact that he's shooting more the fact that he potentially could be leading the league in scoring, whatever, Whatever he does at the end of the year, that's gonna be one storyline. Individually, Nikita Kucherov was absolutely dynamic. The second part of the Lightning season that people should take a look at this year will be the depth that they potentially found within the organization when players were injured who had to come up and play well. Whether those are the forwards or the back end, it's been a nice combination. And it has allowed the Lightning to continue to munch points and be relevant. But I do think when it is all said and done, when we look at the first round series and we kind of look back at the Lightning season, and I know we have a few more games left, it is going to be how well the goaltending played early on, mainly Johansson with Vassy being out, and then Vassy kicking it into gear around December. And I think those three things are going to be something that I take a look at and really reflect on. But I do think the goaltending, in many ways, will be an underrated part of this team because of the circumstances that they had to deal with at the beginning of the year. Because their play at times this year has been a little shoddy defensively, but that they were able to find and regain the elite form of Andre Vasilevsky midway through the season. Probably coincided with him finally feeling better health-wise, but I think that is going to be a significant find for the Lightning, and it really does and should make other teams a little uneasy because we know the great equalizer and the great advantage, Dave, that the Lightning do have typically in a series is the man in net. And if Vassy plays more like he's playing now in a playoff round, it's going to be very difficult for the opposing team to beat the Lightning in a seven-game series. And I think Lightning fans, and I think internally in that locker room, the coaching staff, the GM, and his scouts, all should be feeling pretty good. You don't become content, but you should be feeling pretty good because that's the one weapon you have basically every game that gives you the advantage is him and that. And he's starting to regain that elite form, and that's just... That's something, as an opposing team, it's hard to prepare for. And I think that's, that's just, for me, the most exciting part about this Lightning turnaround has been, has been his play because now it kind of evens things now for the mm-hmm. Lightning. Even, even if they have a lack of depth somewhere, even if you know maybe there are some injuries here and there, that's all fair. But you put the big cat in net, and playing at a pretty high level, now all of a sudden it's like, okay, we got to contend with that for seven games.
0: That's a tall order. But it's well, one the Lightning, the Lightning will be not be – if the Lightning get in the playoffs, whoever their opponent is in the first round, the Lightning will not be viewed as a team with a disadvantage in net. There's no question about that. They likely will be viewed by the experts and the prognosticators as having an advantage in net, or maybe they'll just say it's a wash. Right. But, and and that would be if, let's say, the Lightning play the Rangers in the first round and people look at Vaslovsky and Shesterkin. or maybe they get the Panthers in the first round. They say Vaslovsky and Bobrovsky, who's having a terrific season. I think that that's fair. People look at it and say, the, the Lightning may not have a huge advantage in net, but they certainly don't have a disadvantage in that. That Vasilevsky can be uh, an X-factor and a difference maker, but so might the other guy. There is probably a greater likelihood that people will look at the goaltending and say the Lightning have an advantage in net. They'll probably say the other team has an advantage in some other areas, depending on, on right. who the Lightning draw, assuming that they can keep on this trajectory and get into the playoffs. But I agree with you. I mean, I think that Part of the lightning's turnaround this year by turnaround, I'm really saying finding a groove where they are munching points consistently that has coincided with Vasilevsky settling in maybe that's the way I want to put it, where he kind of he kind of got back in sync after not having played for six and a half months, and it took him yeah. a little bit of time, yeah. But his body of work, like the the quality of the body of his work has been very high. Going back to whatever you cited as when he started I just said this, December. Yeah, early December. I mean, I'm not sure that his game was where he wanted it at in early December, but I think it's it's more resembling where he wants it really since since we turned the calendar
1: but Dave like I and I, I don't want to make this a a whole goaltender show but like we're talking about the Panthers and their elevated play we're talking about the Bruins and and kind of slumping a little bit but still uh, remaining in there we're coming off the a Rangers game a couple of weeks ago we saw Jonathan quick there's some mm-hmm. there was some talk about Trister and they've won six in a row. Carolina, we discussed, Philadelphia, we, we discussed their goaltender situation, Toronto, Detroit. I mean, again, I, I go back to out of all of those teams right now currently occupying a playoff spot, whose goaltender do you like the most?
0: Well, that's, you know what I mean? that's a fair point. I'm just saying entering a series, a, a series that we are looking at hypothetically right now, the people who are trying to project what's going to happen in the series are not going to say the lightning have a disadvantage in that there may be some opponents the lightning could get where people will say this is this is an even matchup and that's a credit to the guy to the guy at the other end of the ice i'm just trying to project what the so-called experts might say but if you were to ask me my opinion would i rather have vasilevsky or another goalie i would take vasilevsky
1: yeah right and there's no question about that yeah there's just no question and i think he's reiterated that point uh, with his play, which has been a, a very positive sign. Is anything you want to take? How was the Ross Colton for you, the, the tribute? It was nice. The tribute nice. video? Yeah. You, know? you know, it's
0: interesting. So some of these players, and, and you've made the point, like, did this player play five games with the Lightning? He <laughs> got a tribute video. That's a bit of an exaggeration. But some of the players who have gotten tribute videos were able to pack a lot of highlights into a fairly short period of time. Do you remember when Ross Colton made his NHL debut? It was that shortened yeah. 2021 season. That's not that long ago. He was with the Lightning for three seasons, right? Yeah, for sure. 2021, the year they won the Cup, he scored the, the clinching goal and the only goal in Game 5 of the Stanley Cup Final. The next year, Lightning got to the Stanley Cup Final and lost to Colorado, and then last year. So not even three full seasons, but you look at the clips that they had. He had a lot of big plays. How about the one goal that he scored against Florida in the playoff series in 2022, right at the end of Game 2? The Lightning swept the Panthers that year. They stunned the Panthers. That was one of the biggest goals of that playoff run for the Lightning. Was that the one at the end of like? That's what I mean. Yeah, Kudrow, right, right, right. centered it. And they had that <laughs> highlight on there. I know, I know. Where he scored in the closing seconds. That's that's such a. He had rigger. some big, big plays yeah. for the Lightning yeah. in a short period of time. You know so. what's
1: what's what's unfortunate about the Ross Coltons and players of his ilk, especially with the Lightning and a team that spends to the cap, is that in a non-salary cap world, you'd be able to keep him theoretically. Because very rarely, and maybe I shouldn't say that because I I don't have any hard data, but players who are in that 22 to 25 range that start to show an ability to score some goals on a consistent basis that might not be star players, those are ones you'd like to keep. But oftentimes in the cap era, Dave, they are the cap casualties. Mm -hmm. Because you're often paying your stars to the max. And because of that, you're hoping guys come in on entry-level contracts and outperform it. It was time for Colton to get paid. And based off of where the Lightning were with the cap, they couldn't keep him. But it is in some ways odd because those are the players in that age range that you typically would try to keep. You're not looking to move. You know, you develop them. They come to the NHL. And John Cooper yeah. talked about this in the pregame. Did it the right way. Adam and Syracuse perform well. By the time he gets to the NHL, he's not overwhelmed. And then he starts to produce. The Lightning have done a really good job over the years of getting players like Colton to contribute while still having and still being on an affordable contract. It's the tough decisions that you're going to have to make who stays and who goes when players of that ilk are up for a contract. You know, it could be a Brandon Hagel who they decide to keep and sign long-term. Same with Nick Paul. But one of the consequences of those decisions, and I'm not disputing them because I think those are, you can't go wrong signing those guys to long-term deals, is that you're probably going to have to let the Ross Coltons go or make a trade. A Matthew Joseph, you know, you're going to have to make a trade. The Cal Foot, you're going to have to make a trade at some point. You're gonna. You just can't keep all of them, and the Lightning have done well to be able to not only Dave get assets for those players that they've dealt, but also while they were with the Lightning, get tremendous value. And I think they did that with Colton. Mm-hmm. And I, I think agree. they. I think they did that to a lesser extent. Would you say with Jonathan Druin? even though you know a little bit of an issue off the ice, we understand some of the issues he's had after playing with the Tampa Bay Lightning. But when he was with the Lightning, I don't know if his play ever warranted where he was drafted. But at least you saw him be a, a somewhat productive NHL player and then you flip him for Sergeyev. Yeah. And so that helps from that perspective. Same with Ben Bishop.
0: Jonathan drew and gave the Lightning really good hockey from the end of the 2016 season into that playoff year. Because he was very good in the 2016 playoffs. Lightning didn't have Stamfgos, remember, because he had the blood clot. Go back and, and check the box scores from some of the games the Lightning played in the 2016 playoffs and how often Drew was involved in some of the biggest goals. And then he had a very productive 2016-17 season, which was another year in which the Lightning were dealing with a lot of injuries. Notably, Stamkos. But, you know, Braden Point is a rookie, missed six weeks. Tyler Johnson was in and out of the lineup. Druin was was not playing center, but it opened up more ice time for Druin, and, and he and Hedman and Kucherov just cashed in on the power play that year. So I look back at that time, and remember, Druin had the issue where he left the team and, and he and Iserman were were at a standstill and he rejoined the team right at the end of that 2015-16 regular season. So you want to start at that point into the playoffs and then the next year. And then they traded him in the offseason of 2017. That stretch might have been his best stretch as an NHLer. Yeah, I would agree. Because yeah. it, it just didn't work out for him in Montreal. He had injury problems it was not a great situation for him i think he dealt with some mental health issues as well he's in a much better place in colorado it's a completely different market he's not asked to be the guy he's with his his good buddy mckinnon they were junior teammates when they ruled the canadian hockey league and he looks like he's playing a, a free game right now he's not he's not playing with a weight on his shoulder so good for him. Yeah, and I he's agree. part of, I don't know that he normally is going to play as much as he did last night. And and the stats bear that out. But, you know, he's on their number one power play. Right now he's playing in the top line with Rantanen and McKinnon. And good for him. I mean, backing up kind of to what we were talking about yesterday with the lopsided ice times. So I felt Ross Colton played a lot last night because it, it felt like he was matched against, he and his line mates were matched against points line. Point stamp goes Kucherov. So they had a tough night. I mean, Colton, Wood, and Lekanen were on the ice for one even strength goal scored. That was the second period goal that Byram scored. Colton finished minus two. Miles Wood finished minus three. And Lekanen finished minus two. There might have been an empty netter. They might have been out for one of the empty netters. But that's even with them having a plus. So they had a tough night. To the extent that Koop that got the point line out against Colton's line for much of the night, they had a tough night defending Point Kucherov and Stamkos, who had a terrific game. But listen to the ice time for those three players. Colton, 13 minutes and 50 seconds. Lekkonen played more because he was in the power play. Wood played 16:41, and he had shorthanded time. That's why his numbers were a little bit elevated. They, they are way lower in ice time than what Point, Kuchov, and Stamkos had. And it's not like the Lightning had a ton of power plays last night. So even though it felt like that was a matchup for much of the night, Point, Kuchov, and Stamkos played a lot more than Colton and Wood did. So how about the top guys for Colorado? Rantanen, 26-25. twenty seven thirty two. 27-32. Druin 2502 Jonathan Druin played over 25 minutes last night and McKinnon that's was a at 2350 that's a ton McKinnon played 2355 so you're like well why is he lower he missed he probably missed at least 3 shifts when he got hit in the face with the puck in the second period if he doesn't get hit in the face with the puck McKinnon's probably at about 26 minutes like Rantanen last night and they were out for, for the six on five. So that, that bumped their ice time up. But goodness gracious. Look, I know what, what, what Conor McGahey said. That he feels and the Avalanche feel their top guys can handle it. But goodness, that is, that is asking a lot of your top guys to play that many minutes. And yes, when you're on the power play, those usually are less hard minutes. But the rest of the time, those are hard minutes. Yeah. And McKinnon plays a high energy game. He is expending a lot of energy when he was out when he is out on the ice, just how he plays. He's physical. He accelerates I mean, that's one reason why people, like, you really notice McKinnon when he's on the ice. You don't notice Kucherov as much. Kucherov is slippery, right? He kind of changes speeds. McKinnon tends to go at top speed, which is fine. That's his game. But what does that mean if you're asking him to play 23, 24, 25 minutes plus per night? Right. Last night was another example of that. And, yes, they were down in the third period. I get it. But... Earlier in the game they were playing a lot too. I think it just backs up what we what we had heard about Colorado that they don't have the same amount of depth as they had a couple of years ago and their coach is using his ice time for his for his players accordingly. I would agree. Yeah,
1: 100%. I mean, the the depth, when you're a younger team, maybe you can handle that a little bit more, but I agree with you. I mean, you think about how grueling the playoffs are, Dave.
0: That's the other point, yeah. yeah.
1: I mean, that's... Four rounds I, of this. See, that's where you have to do some projection if you are... If you're Colorado, I think you have to look at what's going to be happening here, potentially, and say to yourself, okay, um, you know... Is, is this a scenario that is, is doable in the playoffs, playing the guys as much as we are going to have to play them, also mm-hmm. understanding that they're playing a lot right now?
0: Exactly right. Right. And, and I mentioned this to Phil at the end of the game. The Avs pulled the goalie with just under three minutes left. And they had one shot on net during the entire six on five. They ended up giving up two empty netters. And, and after the second empty netter, they put on and in back in the net. So that was with about 30 seconds left. When did perfect score? Perfect scored with about 25 seconds left. So let's say they had the extra attack or out on the ice for two and a half minutes. There were a lot of whistles in there because of the letting it some icings. There were a couple of pucks out of play. In fact... Prior to the Sorelli empty net goal, there were five face-offs when the Avs had a six-on-five. And the Lightning won the first four of them. They lost the fifth. It didn't hurt them. They ended up getting the puck anyway and scoring the empty netter. But what they did repeatedly during that five-on-six, essentially, they missed a couple of open nets, true, and there were icings. But they were pretty efficient at getting pucks out, too making the abs regroup. How many times did Makar have to go back to the neutral zone, back to his own end? That's tiring. And I think that it was partially because they had a long shift, right? So they were out on the ice, even with the whistles. They were out on the ice from whatever, just under three minutes left until 30 seconds left without a break other than the whistles. They didn't have the same amount of jump that you probably need when the net is empty. When yeah. the net is empty, you brought that up. when your yeah. net is empty, yeah, right, right. you have to be on top of the puck. Mm-hmm. And as, as that 5-on-6 six or 6-on-5 six progressed, it felt like the Lightning were having less and less trouble getting the puck out. Because the Abs were not on top of them like you would normally see. Now, I am acknowledging some of that was those guys were out there on that particular shift for a while. But how much of that might have also been tied to the fact that they had played a ton already in the game? Right. How much was left in the tank for them to press and push and be on top of the Lightning? So if a Lightning player gets the puck, that player has no time to make a play. You have the extra guy out on the ice. Your net is empty. Why was it the Lightning had some near misses on empty netters? Because the ABS were were not closing on them. And the, the empty netter that they did score, the Sorelli one, not the one off the faceoff, I mean, go back and watch the replay. Chernick gets the puck in the corner. McKinnon is McKinnon does not even attempt to close on him. McKinnon looks to like angle and prevent the puck from leaving the zone. That to me is the mark of a player who uh, like he just didn't have enough push left. So when you say, well, these guys are playing a lot, but they're horses, they can handle it. They're human beings, right? I mean It's the difference between – it's a slight difference, but it's the difference between whatever that amount of time is that you need to close on the puck carrier and disrupt the play and be a half second slower and not disrupt the play. And the Lightning had a fairly easy out of their own zone on that empty netter. Chernak up the boards to Hagel, skated to center ice, slid it across to Sorelli. He had room. Made sure he brought it in the offensive zone, shot it into the open net. It was a bit of a humdrum empty netter. Why was that? I thought the Avs didn't have the same amount of push, or at least the level of push that they needed to to disrupt the play and try and tie the game. That's the problem with playing your top guys 25, 26, 27 minutes a game. That's one person's opinion. Anyway. And it matters. I thought the Lightning handled the 5-on-6 really well. They did. I mean, that's another way of looking at it. Yeah. They didn't They didn't really let the Avs work it around and generate those high danger chances. In fact, after Kuchov scored to make it 4-3, I thought the Lightning kind of took over the game. The Avs had one opportunity, and it was like an isolated one where the puck came to Parisi in the low slot. He put it off the crossbar. That was as close as the Avs got. But that was an isolated chance in the last 10 minutes plus of the third period.
1: I love all of that that you just said, and it's going to set up for a a fun game tomorrow against the Panthers. Do we want to get some questions here? And then do you want to take a look at Florida before we sign off? Sure. Kind of go that route. Al says, am I missing something? I couldn't find anywhere in the rule book where it says that if a defender lifts a player's stick and the stick hits a player in the face, then there is no penalty. The rule spelled out the exception Maybe I missed it. I knew that rule. Mm-hmm. It, you, you couldn't... It, it's a hard one to follow, though, because when it originally occurred, it looked like a high-stick infraction, right? But there is that part, right, where you... It's kind of like the... What is it? The, a follow-through
0: also? Yeah, follow-through is allowed. Is allowed. Like, if right. you're following through on a shot and you high-stick someone, that's not a penalty.
1: Would Phil disagree with that, too? basically said because his point was you, you need to be in control. Yeah, of the stick I think he's times.
0: okay with the follow through when he played though and you got your stick lifted like when he played you had to have two hands on the stick and you needed to be strong on your stick because what is now a penalty for slashing where you slash the stick out of your opponent's hands that was a play when Phil played <laughs> like you would get yelled at if the opponent slashed the stick out of your hands. Now they were playing with with lumber then it was a wood stick. It was harder to break the stick. Nowadays, a lot of times when the stick is slashed out of your hands, it breaks. That's a penalty now. That's a different sort of call. That's a slashing call. This was high-sticking. So Chris Krenn said the same thing to me. He said, I looked in the rule book. I couldn't find that, that exception. But clearly it exists because it's not as if the referees just made it up on the spot. right? In fact, they called the high-sticking penalty – They didn't call it when it happened, but they conferred. Somebody saw it. One of the four officials saw it and called it. And then they went to look at the replay, which is what you do after any high stick, particularly if there's blood, to determine is it a two, is it a four, is it a major? Actually, if there's blood, it can't be a two. But sometimes a player is clipped by his teammate's stick where you can't tell seeing it live, you look at it on the replay and, and I think that they put the replay in for in part that to make sure they get the call right. And maybe we're starting to see the call that we saw last night and more because now they are reviewing high stick infractions, but whether it's in the rule book or not, it is an exception. Like the, the player who commits the high stick penalty is given a get out of jail free card. if, An opponent lifts his stick. Right. Causing the high stick. Yeah. Phil's point was you have to be in control of your stick. But Phil would acknowledge that if you're following through on a slap shot, that's okay. That's different. Yeah. You're in the shooting motion. I like it. I mean, but I, good it on Al. Sense. Was it Al? Al pulled out the rule book. Good yeah, on you, Al. You know,
1: but that's what Al does. I Are know. we surprised?
0: I think Al,
1: if we could, in the booth, he'd be like, not that you need it, but I think Al would just want to be like a spotter. <laughs> mm-hmm. He'd want to be a stats guy too. Like, hey, Dave, here, here's this note about Stamkos. <laughs> like, I think he would just, he You're would eat right. it all up. Maybe we'll make that happen. He's a numbers guy. We've learned that about you, Al. I appreciate that about Al. Al's been with us from the start, and we appreciate that. So is Jay. He said that was the best they've battled and skated since the Boston home game win. Greg, you were right. They raised their level against elite competition. Kucherov should win the heart if he keeps
0: that wizardry up. Well, look, everybody is entitled to their opinion. I think they've had impressive wins since the home win against Boston. I mean, what he said was they competed as hard. They had some high-compete games in between the Boston win, which was in mid-November, and this one. I agree. They played very well in the home win against Boston. But I would probably point to some other games they've had between that one and this one that have been very impressive.
1: Let me ask you this. What would be the reason right now Kucherov wouldn't
0: win the MVP? Well, what did I just say about the avalanche? Who have they got beyond their top guys? Like which team is lacking more depth? Sure. Which team is leaning on, if we're actually saying not who led the league in scoring, who had the most impressive stats, who is actually the player deemed to be most valuable? And another way of saying that is, without this player, how badly would the team be struggling to to maintain their position in the standings? And I think both teams can make an argument that based on the production Kucherov has provided for the Lightning and McKinnon has provided for the Avalanche, right, that they are extremely valuable to their yep. team. The argument I would make right now in favor of Kucherov is the Avs are in a much more secure standings position. So if they didn't have McKinnon, would they still be in a playoff spot? I mean, we don't know the answer to that, but they would have to lose a lot of ground to be in jeopardy of missing the playoffs. I think that the answer is clear or more clear with the Lightning. Without Kucherov, the Lightning would be in much more dire straits in terms of their their standings position.
1: Because originally, I think early on in the season when they were still trying to find their game, even midway through, and the goaltending was still playing well, keeping the head above water, so to speak, Kucherov was carrying that team offensively. Mm -hmm. I mean, it really was. And just look at the numbers from everybody else on that team offensively. I mean, some of them are good, but Dave Kucheroff just makes everybody better. I mean, the power play? Yeah, is where it is, in large part because the the power play goes through him. You take him out. Not only are you you missing five on five offense. But Dave, two of the biggest advantages the Lightning have, probably the two biggest advantages the Lightning have going into any game. One, their goaltending. Two, their power play. Kucherov directly impacts the power play. And you can win a lot of games if you're not playing well, but you go two for three on the power play and your goaltender's playing elite. Yes. And I don't know how many games that's happened to the Lightning this year. You probably have a better recollection than I do in terms of, you know, their power play really won them that game or allowed them to get points. And if that's the case, too, you look at what Kucherov has done and you say, yeah, that's that's pretty damn impressive. Mm-hmm. Chris says boys are playing well, need a great performance and to send a statement to Florida Saturday night. You want to like kind of dive into Florida yeah, a little so bit remember heading,
0: heading into the Boston game, the one that the Lightning just played, we were talking about how the Bruins would be motivated to have a good game. And the Bruins did play a motivated game. I think they probably took another step back last night. <laughs> they're probably at the point where they're like, let's just start the playoffs, please. Even though now they have lost their hold on first place. They're tied in points with the Panthers, but the Panthers right now are ahead of them based on, tiebreak the Panthers are not in that same boat in other words the Bruins were coming off a disappointing performance and were motivated to play better they also had Marchand's 1000th game and I think that, that was a rallying cry and they showed it they they played a spirited game against the Lightning the Panthers are more like in machine mode They are just churning out good game after good game after good game. So I don't know that they are going to be extra motivated based on what has happened previously. Although I'm sure they would like to keep their their road winning streak alive, which is currently at 10 straight games. One shy of the high in the NHL this year, the Kings, who went 11 straight road games to start the season, actually. Lightning are on a long home winning streak. 8 straight. I believe that that is tied for the longest home winning streak in the NHL this year as well, but nobody is talking about that quite as much. What they are talking about is how the Panthers have won 10 straight on the road and they've beaten some quality opponents. One of those one of those trips of the 10 games, they had a trip. I think they went out west and clearly they swept. I think they beat Vegas, they beat Colorado. From remembering right, I can look at the game by game and, and see exactly where they went. But the Panthers are not coming off a clunker of a game where they are going to be motivated to play much better. But they are playing at a very high level and doing it consistently, which is very difficult to do. It's easier to get up for one game when you're having a a reaction to your previous game. So... Are the Panthers going to be up for this game? I think they will be motivated to play well because they have a long road winning streak. It's the Lightning, and the teams do not like each other, and there's some added juice whenever the teams play. I think that that's fair to say. But beyond that, they have reached the point right now where the consistency in their game is the norm, not the exception. I guess if you're being consistent, that is the definition of the norm, not the exception. But their high level of play is the norm, not the exception. They're doing it most nights. And that presents a big challenge for the Lightning. Is it possible they're going to have an off night? Of course it's possible. Every team has an off night. But we haven't really seen that from the Panthers against the Lightning the last couple of years. They tend to play pretty well against the Lightning. Even the games the Lightning have managed to win. They do. And I think that'll be...
1: It'll be an intense game. It'll be a, a game that, as I told you before, I think the Lightning will be ready to go from that. I think it could get chippy. I think it could get a little ugly. I do. I mean, the stakes the stakes are raised. The Lightning are playing with a lot of confidence, and so are the Panthers. And I think if you take a look at it from the outside looking in, it's two teams who... Uh, both from the state of Florida, feel like okay they're playing as well as they have, and they want to sit atop the Eastern Conference. Mm-hmm. You know whether you whether you buy into all of that or not. I think the game tomorrow is going to lend itself, I think, to being pretty physical, to being pretty intense, and one of those games where like a Lombard goes over the line or Kachuk goes over the line, and it gets really intense. Yeah, I think just has that feel to it. And honestly, if you're going to the game tomorrow, and that's a 5 o'clock start, correct? Yeah. Um, 5 o'clock game, get there early. That'll be a lot of fun. That will be a lot of fun to participate and take it all in. I expect Amley Arena tomorrow. Whatever you thought the game was like last night from a boisterous crowd, I think you're going to see it
0: upped several levels tomorrow. By the way, just looking at the game-by-game game for Florida, so in their 10-game road-winning streak, it actually started with their win over the Lightning on December 27th. They had lost their previous road game prior to that. So that was win one. Then they had wins on a trip to Arizona, Vegas, Colorado, St. Louis. They won all four. Remember, the Avs had only lost, have only lost five games at home this year, and the Panthers beat them 8-4. Then they had a significant homestand, approaching the bye they had a win at nashville and they had wins at pittsburgh and the islanders heading into the bye and then coming out of the bye they had some home games and then they won again at pittsburgh and last night they beat buffalo in buffalo so those are their 10 straight road wins but listen to this greg here is their goals against number going back one two three four five six seven eight nine games their last nine games from most recent to to more distant. Zero, two, zero, two, 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 one. That's a nine-game span. They've held the other team to two or less, with a couple of shutouts in there, and and one game where they allowed one. That's how you go on a long winning streak, and that's how you get to second best in the NHL defensively. So look. We don't know what is going to happen tomorrow, but based on the Panthers' track record, particularly recently, scoring chances are going to be hard to come by for the Lightning. So they're going to have to dig in, great attention to detail, limit mistakes, but don't be passive. And if they can stay out of the box, that would help them because Reinhardt is having... I mean, no I am talking right about him here. for MVP, but I mean, he is having for him now? it's his it's his best year for sure. <laughs> What's he got?
1: He's approaching forty, isn't he?
0: Yeah, he's got nine goals. He's got what twenty-three power play goals, something like that. Twenty, 22 20 power, power goals play goes, 22. goals. Twenty-two he's
1: a plus sixteen. I mean, yeah. he's he's dynamic. Kachuk impacts the game so much. In in many ways, let's put it that way. Is what I was trying to say. He's got 18 goals, but we know what he means. I, I think on the ice in terms of bringing you into the fight. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. I guess you
0: could say Bart he's off. picked it up too. Because remember his yeah. his number of goals was kind of low right. when the teams met in late December.
1: You think Sam Bennett's going to do anything tomorrow? <laughs> is he out or is he back? I feel like he's.
0: You know, he's you know, he he's in the their lineup. At, um, yeah. I mean, I'm looking you at. You think their he's going to cross the yesterday. line He'll cross the line a little bit. You know, Jonah Gajewicz, they got from San Jose, he drops the gloves. He's got 70, well, heading into last night's game, he had 70 yeah. penalty minutes. They like him. I mean, he's, I guess he plays a little bit like Lomberg, If they're both on the fourth line, I'm not entirely certain. They're both left-wingers, but... They play a rough-and-tumble game. Like, they are not a passive team that just kind of locks it down defensively. They play an aggressive game. They're a physical team. They play on their toes, and they D up. And they've got plenty of offensive pop for Hagee's, you know, bumping 30 goals this year. You mentioned Reinhardt with his 39 goals this year. Yeah. This is a different team than the one that won the President's Trophy a couple years ago and just scored like crazy but gave up a lot of goals. This is a way more well-rounded team. Mm. So it's going to be a challenge for the Lightning. But I'll close with this, Greg. Please do. The Lightning came out of the bye week. We said this. This was going to be a a tough six-game stretch. And it's not like after these six games are over. It's like cruise down Easy Street. I mean they've got opponents on their schedule they're going to have to to play well <laughs> to keep getting points but through the first 5 games of this 6 game stretch in which they had let's be honest you know one team that is way down in the standings the islanders on the wrong side of the playoff cut line but they are in contention to make the playoffs the other teams were all in first or second place through 5 games the lightning have gone 3 and 2 if they can beat florida tomorrow 4 and 2 out of these six games would be excellent. As it is, even if they lose it, three and three, you kind of navigated through it, right? So at worst, the Lightning are going to come out of this six-game stretch 500. But they put themselves in a position with wins in the last three to do quite well. And I'm not picking these six games out of, Nowhere. Like, we've been talking about this really since the Lightning entered the bye week, right? This was going to be a challenging stretch with some litmus test type of games. I thought the Lightning's best game was the one last night, but it was, it was against one of these top teams. They did very well. Let's see how they do tomorrow against Florida. It's going to be a
1: lot of fun, and you can listen to all of the great coverage here on Lightning Radio. Partner, it was a great week. We'll be back at it again in this setting on Monday, but we will talk tomorrow. Lightning yes, advances. should be a lot of fun. Thank you, sir. Appreciate it. All right. Talk Thanks, to you tomorrow. Steve Versnick. Thanks to all of you for listening. Keep those questions coming in on X at Bolts Radio, and we will get to them when we do. I am Greg Linnelli. You've been listening to Power Lunch on Lightning Radio.